Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome both Dr. Tom Schreiner, who serves as the James Buchanan Harrison Professor of New Testament Interpretation and Professor of Biblical Theology at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and his son, Dr. Patrick Schreiner, who serves here as the director of the Residency PhD program and is Associate Professor of New Testament and Biblical Theology. Gentlemen, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. It's wonderful to be with you. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, look, we're in the studio together here on the campus of Midwestern Seminary, situated within the Spurgeon Library. And it's fun to have you two in the studio. Uh, Dr. Tom Schreiner, of course, in chapel here tomorrow, and then you guys together are doing a For the Church workshop for local pastors. So we have a lot of Schreiner firepower on campus <laughs> today and a lot of Schreiner firepower in the studio today. And as we were thinking about what might be a fun conversation topic uh, to, to, uh, to engage together, you know, it occurred to me to, to maybe talk about growing up in a scholar's home. And so this isn't a tell-all, uh, not that there would be anything particularly captivating to tell, but uh, I thought it'd be a fun conversation just to reflect father and son and son to father. And obviously it doesn't take much imagination to go from growing up in a scholar's home to just growing up in a minister's home, mm-hmm. in a ministry context. And so with that, by way of introduction, Patrick, welcome to the studio. Thanks. Appreciate it. Dr. Schreiner Sr., welcome to the studio today. (laughs) Thank you so much. So have you guys compared notes any before this conversation as to what was in bounds or out of bounds? No, no. no. We didn't. Although I just had a lunch conversation with a friend who was telling me some things I should say. So, you know, I didn't tell anything. Okay. (laughs) Work in, work in. (laughs) Work it all in, okay? So I guess, uh, you know, Patrick, I'll just start with you. Growing up the son of a scholar— and uh, you can speak personally if you want about your dad or just in general, the rhythm, the family expectations, what mm-hmm. it's like to be in a, in a yeah. professor's home. Yeah. Well, at the beginning, I didn't really know that he was a scholar because when you're young and you're growing up, you don't really, I mean, you understand in some sense what your dad does, but you don't in another way really understand what they do. So and in one way, you just assume every dad does the same thing that your dad does, right? And so, um, yeah, I mean, growing up in a scholar's home, it was just recognizing, I think I sat in on a few classes very early on. I think my mom was just trying to expose us to like what dad does when he goes to work. And so I remember sitting on classes and being like, oh, he stands up in front of people and says a bunch of stuff that I don't understand when I was younger. Um, but as I grew older, obviously the benefit of having a scholar as a dad and a pastor is that uh, when I had questions about the Bible, um, we could ask him and uh, I, we didn't, you know, we didn't talk about any of this. So now I'm going to say something, but we sometimes played a game where we'd say a verse, uh, a chapter, Psalm 62, verse three, and he would, he would sometimes tell us the verse. So that was kind of a fun game that we would play. And hey, we can play it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten all my verses. Okay. <laughs> Psalm 192. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. <laughs> Psalm 192 doesn't exist. That's right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are the games we'd play. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I'm going to, just for simplicity's sake, and so we're not confused about who's talking, I'm just going to go with first names with you guys. Yeah, okay? yeah that's so, fine. So, so, Tom, then, for you from the other side of the equation with, with children in the house, um, were, were there any things you were intentional to do or not to do as a scholar and, and as a gospel minister? Yeah, I would say I wanted our kids to grow up in a normal home. I never, maybe, maybe I should have, I never encouraged our kids to go into the ministry. <laughs> I never talked about that. I would just say, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. But I never said, yeah, it'd be especially good if you went into the ministry. I, 
I really believe I never said that. And then it was striking to me because, I mean, our three sons are all in the ministry and our son-in-law's in the ministry too. I don't think that's better than not being in the ministry, but I was like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And I didn't see it coming with Patrick. I mean, you know, in one way you grow up as a kid, right? And then you see a kid and, you know, there was a, Patrick wasn't a big reader when he was young. You know? I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he was committed to Sports Illustrated. That's right. Well, he did like the Left Behind Slam, book. Sports Illustrated. We love those magazines. <laughs> he, he read Left Behind books. He liked those. And Frank, Really? You're telling that right now? <laughs> of all the things to bring up. I was like Charles Dickens, like all the good literature, and you're talking about Left Behind right now? Good My literature. <laughs> you like Frank Peretti. <laughs> Too great a temptation. See, the funny thing is I remember this differently. My dad was like, if you don't publish 10 books by the time you're 40, I disown you. But uh, no. <laughs> so I remember as a student um, in the class your dad was teaching on Romans, a guy saying to me, kind of sit, sitting near me, he said, you know how Dr. Schreiner writes his books? And I said, no idea. And he said, well, he, he writes his books like on a TV tray while he's watching <laughs> basketball at night. And so I guess, you know, now 20 years later, I kind of want to know, is that accurate or not? Patrick, there's uh, there's some truth to that, but it's mainly inaccurate. He's usually, I think, in the past, it would be like on the lazy boy in as comfortable <laughs> as pants as possible, one leg kind of propped up strangely with the computer in his lap. Um, what's true about that, though, is in the home. I mean, like mm -hmm. you wonder what do we talk about? Like, were we talking about Romans nine over dinner most nights? No, we weren't. We were talking about the. Oh, no, you're talking about Romans seven. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. Because he kept changing his mind about it. Like every night you come home with a new new theory on Romans 7. No, we'd mainly talk about sports or what we were doing. So we were into baseball and basketball and football. So we'd talk about the Vikings or the Twins. We were in Minnesota for a long time and or the Cardinals. And we're Louisville. suffering. That's right. We're still suffering. So there's some truth to that story mm -hmm. in terms of um, the sports and the way he writes, but maybe it all put together. I don't know if he's ever uh, seen a TV tray in his life. So, yeah. Yeah. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I never, I never <laughs> ever wrote on a TV tray, but and I rarely probably have written watching sports, but somehow that story started, and I keep hearing it. Oh, yeah. you've heard that story? Yeah, yeah. He does write anywhere and everywhere. Like yeah. um, he actually, I think he just this minute just typed a, a line from his Revelation commentary while we were doing this podcast. <laughs> he no. just wrote a book yeah. during this podcast. <laughs> so obviously, Tom, you've been very productive over the years in writing. Patrick, you are similarly productive. And um, I'm curious, were there patterns of self-discipline, of time allocation, of drivenness that, that maybe you picked up from your dad, not, not so much studying him, but just sort of intuitive from him that, that have shaped you? Or, or what do we make of the, the similarities as far as writing productivity? Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, when people talk about productivity, they usually have a lot of tips in terms of this is what you should do. I think one of the things I, I did pick up from my dad without knowing it is um, doing as much as I can on the off times between times as well. So um, both of us, as I kind of watch our lives, we both tend to work in the small spaces as much as possible. So after this, I have about an hour and a half break between the next meeting. I'm probably going to go back and write a little bit. Um, and so when I watch him, even when he's at our house, like he's slowly working away, you know, on get an hour here or there where we're hanging out, not doing as much and he'll chip away at a book. And some people take that time, right? 
if you're you're gone from the house, you're not at work, well, I'm not going to do any of the work. But I think both of us do it not because, and, and you can speak to this, not because we I feel pressured so much to do it because I like doing it. It's right. it's something I enjoy. And so whenever we can time, find some time to do what we love to do, that's kind of what you do. And so I think both of us just have a love for studying and writing. And that means you don't have to think as much about what do I need to do to be productive here? It, it kind of flows from desire. That's absolutely right. I mean, I think it would dry up otherwise, but I love to write and to study. And so I'm just really drawn to it. So yeah, when you have those in-between times, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I, love to, uh, I love to study. I love to hang out with people, and, but I love to study too. We were on the back porch the other night and talking about the day of rest, Sabbath, actually. We were talking about like if we disagree or agree about the Sabbath. And we were just talking about how even on a day of rest, if we take a day of rest, sometimes we're both drawn towards writing because mm -hmm. it's restful for us. Yeah. And so it's like as you define what does that mean for you to have some time to rest? Well, it looks different for everyone else. But for us, we mm -hmm. both were like, actually, we love writing. So that's, that's actually fulfilling to us and life-giving to us. Yeah. So again, zooming out of touch from the, the scholar's home, properly speaking, to just the minister's home, you know, and I'm, I'm a man with five relatively young kids. Patrick, you have four young children. Um, when I see someone like Danny Aiken, Ray Ortland, Tom Schreiner, who has multiple kids in the ministry, you know, not perfect families, obviously, but those relationships are happy and healthy, and there's real affection from Mm -hmm. the younger generation ministry to the dad. I, I'm curious. I'm always curious like what I can learn from that. And I'm yeah. sure we have listeners here that are curious as well. So I would love to hear any reflections you have about the home dynamic, about your dad's leadership, whatever. Obviously he said he wasn't pressuring ministry, but you guys are all in ministry and mm -hmm. there's an affection for your dad. And then, and then as you're answering, perhaps we can come back to Tom and say a word or two about, about things you self-consciously did or did not do. I know you said you did not pressure ministry, but, but anything that you did, self-consciously, again, did or didn't do that um, may not have led to ministry, but just led to these, these, these real um, relationships of, of real affection. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think watching a genuine affection for the Lord and his people was probably the most impactful thing. Uh, and I've said this a lot about my dad and my mom, but uh, especially in terms of my dad and the scholar, scholarly pursuit, a lot of people know that side of him, but to see it practiced in the home when no one's watching, I think that's what children need to see is that you actually believe it at home. Like when no one's there to test you or watch you, you're still in love with the scripture. You're still in love with God and his people. And that's your highest delight and highest pursuit. And so there isn't so much of like, oh, you should do these four steps and things will turn out well. Obviously, it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, three of us and our family went through times of rebellion in terms of the children and in, in our family. So there were times where we were trying to figure it out and, uh, it could have gone many ways, but mm -hmm. the Lord was kind to us. And so I, the other thing I'd add to that is just time spent. Uh, they were very intentional with spending time with us. It wasn't like the writing or the scholarship or the pastoring, um, we ever took a back seat. It was always that there was time for us. And I think a lot of times for children whose parents are in the ministry, it becomes difficult because so many people want your attention. And so I would just encourage parents to say, I mean, there's qualifications for elders. It's a well-ordered home. You need to make time for your children. 
Yeah, I, I think I'd say what Patrick did. I think the most important thing for me as a parent is to, it sounds, it sounds simple. It is simple in a way. It's simple and it's hard, but love God. Children, I've always said, you know, children know, they really know what we truly love. Uh, they know it because they know us. And so if you love God, they'll sense it. And then secondly, love your children. I mean, <laughs> love them and loving them means loving them in accord with God's word. So it, when they're rebelling, you still love them, but they know what you want. <laughs> you know, they know, they know you're not satisfied with where they are, but you still love them. I think, I think that's really important. I mean, one of our kids, he really, he got in some trouble and, uh, we, we spoke to him about that, but, uh, he had a birthday coming up. We also threw him a surprise birthday party. So at the one hand, we were saying to him, this is not good. But on the other hand, we said, you know what we want to, with all his friends, we threw him a surprise birthday party because we just wanted to say to him, you know, no matter what you do, we still love you. Mm. We love you. But uh, on the other hand, we, this is where we want you to go at the same time. I don't know if that was about me. I don't remember that surprise birthday party. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was not. It was not. I was trying to read the body language here. To it, wasn't, it wasn't about Patrick. No, that wasn't Patrick. I don't remember you guys ever throwing me a surprise birthday party now that I think of it. <laughs> You're kind you of never like, did anything bad enough to prompt it. That, that just reminds me of the line of the older brother in uh, Luke 15. There you go. Right, right. You, yeah. you never threw a surprise party for me. I just walked into that one. Every, no. every, everything we had was yours. That's right. <laughs> so. So, um, you know, listening to this podcast will be students at Midwestern Seminary, uh-huh. students at Southern Seminary, others who have read y'all's books and, and have never actually studied with you. So I think a lot of people find this this question of, of interest. So, so Patrick, mm-hmm. I want you to say or share a, a word or two, a story or two, a fact or two about your dad. It may be surprising to listeners, may be interesting, may be humorous. Um, and then, Tom, I'm going to ask you to kind of answer that about Patrick as well. I, the first thing that came into my head was um, people a lot of times ask me, did he try to teach you Greek? Because I'm a Greek teacher now and he teaches Greek. And so I'll, maybe a little anecdote is the best way yeah. to answer this. And the, the, I don't know if I get all the details right because it was when I was young. But I remember we went out to my grandma's house in Salem, Oregon, and we were bored or something. So he was like, why don't you learn Greek? And I was middle school I don't remember this at all. You don't remember this? No. I was middle school-ish yeah. and kind of bored. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll sit down. And I got through like two pages and I was like, this ain't for me. And so I was like, no, nah, I'm going to the pool. Like, I'm going to go hang out. And so wow. people ask, like, did you know Greek? Like coming into seminary because your dad taught you early on. Like as a kid, he taught you the Greek alphabet. And I was like, no. That first day I was learning the alphabet like everybody else because they tried. And I was like, I have no interest yeah, in this. Lesson to kids listening, never <laughs> appear bored to your parents. There you <laughs> go. There you go. <laughs> that, you don't remember so that funny. story? No, I don't remember yeah. it at all. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could remember something funny. I'm sure there is something funny that you could help me remember. But the thing, I mean, I just think of a characteristic of Patrick. I think of our oldest son and then Patrick. Patrick will always... And I really see it now. You know, I never saw when Patrick was growing up, hey, yeah, he might be interested in scholarship. Not, not that he was smart, but I just didn't, didn't see that. In, but I, now I look back and think, not that the other side isn't scholarly because my other kids might listen to this, but, <laughs> but, 
you know, like when we we bought a house and uh, my my older son said, we said, do you want to go see it? He's like, nah, I'll see it when we move in. But Patrick wanted to go. Or I'd be out using the weed eater. Patrick would come out and go, say, how does that work? And, you know, I said so many times Patrick was curious about yeah. things growing up, which my other kids weren't curious about in the same way. And now I look back and see, oh, yeah, I see how that. I mean, not just not just in scholarship. Patrick's a woodworker. You know, he he figured out just looking at YouTube how to build a shed, which I couldn't do if you paid me a million bucks. So I just see that curiosity in him now. I saw it. Yeah, it was there as a kid, and now I've seen it blossom and bloom, which is really exciting. And so, Patrick, was there an age or a grade or a stage of life where you look back and and you see in hindsight where you kind of self-consciously began to, to take mm. academics more seriously? Yeah, you know, I came into college not walking with the Lord and uh, got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ and a church that kind of helped me. The, the Lord drew me back to himself. And I'd stopped reading scripture for, I mean, I'd dabble in it, but I'd stopped for the last three years or so before that. And as the Lord kind of drew me back to himself, I started reading the scriptures again and started listening to sermons all the time. And I just suddenly was like so curious about I I knew kind of like the Christian answers growing up in the household. Like if you asked me some stuff, I could explain whatever term it was. But I hadn't studied the scriptures in depth for myself. Like I hadn't chewed it up on my own. Like I'd heard a lot of people talk about it, but I was starting to disciple some guys leading a Bible study even began preaching some, and it just became like I all I want to do is study this book. And so that was, I mean, life-giving for my own soul. But then I started calling him up, asking questions about it, which was nice to have somebody on the other end who could be like, oh, here's some things to read. Or, friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great because I'd, I'd approach things in the scriptures like we all do, and I'm like, I have no idea what to do with this. How do I think through this? And so I think that curiosity just kind of continued, continued, continued. And as I went through college, I recognized this is my primary interest. This is what I want to do. Yeah. So I'm hearing themes like from both of you, you know, scholarly excellence, wanting to, to know the word and study it, um, a self-discipline, you know, even in the margins of time to be productive. I'm also hearing, you know, family never felt neglected. Kids never felt neglected. So, so kind of roll that up. What did that look like? Um, like, were, are you, Dr. Tom Schreiner, were you kind of riding in the morning and home with the kids at night? Or how did that, how did that tend to look day to day, week to week, both um, from your childhood, Patrick? And I'd love to hear how you try to model that now that you have young kids. Yeah, in terms of just work, life, family yeah, just balance. The, the basic, yeah, structure. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to do as much as I can at work, but then at, there's times where I come home and I'm able to poke away at a few things. And so there's some, like I call the in between times at home where, the kids are in bed, Hannah's doing something else, and I decide I'm going to uh, work a little bit more at this. But honestly, because I enjoy it so much, I have to have Hannah come to me and uh, we have to have conversations about, are you doing this too much? Do you need to spend more time here and there? And and one of the things my parents did was they were just very intentional with, especially with our sports, because we were very into sports. They were very intentional with always being there for our sports. And that's something I want to pick up just in terms of always being there for my children. Now they're into different things. Some are into sports and other things, but just recognizing for my own children who they are and what they enjoy. So one of them enjoys kind of sitting around just talking and hanging out and painting. And the other one enjoys going to getting outside and doing hiking. And so I try to kind of peg them every once in a while and just say, hey, let's go do what you love to do because I love to be with you and I want to do what you want to do. So 
Um, yeah, just being, I think, aware for myself that it, when I have time, I do tend towards the scholarship and the writing because it's what I love to do. Um, and I need to be so intentional in terms of spending time with family. And, and I, I love doing that. Obviously, it's, it's, it's life-giving for me. But just make, being intentional so I'm not waiting uh, the scholarship too much. Yeah, I would say that I, I was always pretty flexible. I'd always say my writing, it sounds almost contradictory, but it's true. My writing came last because I was pastoring, teaching, family. But because I love to do it, I don't watch very much TV. You know, we love sports, but I didn't watch a lot of sports, even though I'd, I actually I'd loved it, that. I mean, because I, but I would just say, I'm going to do my writing when I can, when I have the time. Since I loved it, maybe other people would work on other things in their free time. That's what I'd work on. So just made, made family a priority. You know, every family's different. Our kids were, you know, I, I mean, I spent time with them. But when the boys were little, they didn't like, we, we'd play catch and go out and play football or basketball. But it's not like my boys were wanting long conversations with me. They weren't like that as kids. And actually, whenever they wanted to talk to me at length, I'd drop everything when they're young. Because when they're young, they just weren't into that. So, so you know, some kids are really chatty. Mm. And I think it's, you know, people would say, you can study at home. I'd say, yeah. I mean, my kids, they, they, they'd go off and do their own thing. We'd, we'd play catch, play basketball, play football. But then they'd go do their own thing. But some kids, every, every family's different, right? kids uh our kids were pretty independent at the same time so let me pull this together with a final question for each one of you patrick i'm going to ask you having been a kid you know on the on the younger side of this mm -hmm. equation um what you would encourage ministers listening to bear in mind as it relates to shepherding their kids and, and maybe something you know when you were 14 you saw from your vantage point that, mm. that, that pastors ministers may, may not be aware their kids are seeing and then conversely, Dr. Schreiner, Sr., Tom Schreiner, uh, if you would answer, just looking back, um, maybe just a final word of encouragement or exhortation to our listeners as it relates to intentionality with their children. Yeah. So Patrick, you go first from the yeah. younger person looking up. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've touched on some of these themes, but loving your children for who they are. Um, I, I think it was really healthy that my parents didn't say, you need to become your dad, you need to go into ministry, you need to do the same sort of thing. And I think there's sometimes unintentional pressure upon pastor's kids or professor's kids to live up kind of to their the standards or the vocation of their parents. And just not every child is going to follow their parents. They, they might have totally different interests. And so for us, it was, I think it was really helpful to have that kind of wide open and allow us to figure out where our passions, where is the Lord calling us to serve? And, um, I just think that was really healthy. So just being aware, and, and I'm trying to do that with my children, aware of their own interests and loving them and uh, spending time in their own interests and not forcing them kind of into those boxes that e even unintentionally you don't mean to, but sometimes you just lead with your own interests, but they, they might be interested in other things. So my parents were great at that. That's good. Thank you. Tom? Well, I also pastored for 17 years, and uh, one of the things I was really conscious of is um, you know, the expectation of a church of the kids. So, you know, we come, we said early on in those days, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I said, look, I want you to go to youth group. 
I want you to go Sunday morning. But as they grew older, I said, if you don't want to go Sunday night, you don't have to go. I so I, I wanted them. Why, why did I say that? Some of our listeners are thinking, what Sunday night? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have that Sunday right. night anymore. But, you know, I just wanted them to feel some flexibility on that. And then I just want to say something about our congregation. So there's one point where one of our sons, not Patrick, he, he, uh, he decided he wanted a mohawk. I, don't, I wasn't real thrilled about that. But, I, you know, Diane and I talked about it and we just said, you know what, we're not going to make this an issue. This is a superficial thing. So he got it. He, and he had it at church. And uh, not that it would have been wrong, but our congregation was amazing. No one ever, I don't know, I'm sure they talked about it at dinner, but no one ever said a word to him about it, which I thought was super loving, you know, and we, but also, you know, there's a little bit of a pressure on us to, hey, your kid, you want your kid to look a certain way. And we decided, you know what, we think that's worldly. We think that we just want ourselves to look good. We don't. It looks funny to have your kid have a mohawk in church, but we decided, you know what? We're just going to let it go. And uh, I think that was the right. Obviously, there are lines to be drawn at times, um, so forth and so on, right? We didn't just say whatever kids want to do, they can do. But I think there's some things in which is it is it really for the kids good or do you just want to protect yourself? And I mean, we felt that. And we said we want to we, we want to make sure that the kids don't feel like, oh, you want us to be godly for your reputation. Mm. So, what do you have against mohawks? That's what I really want to talk about. <laughs> and I, I, I think Patrick <laughs> would look really good in a mohawk right now, don't That's you, right. Dr. Allen? Hey, <laughs> I'm a man of liberty. <laughs> we have it on record That's right. that I can That's have right. a mohawk and teach here. All That's right, right. So everyone write that down. <laughs> He actually didn't, Dr. Allen didn't actually say that. But, but it was implied. That's right. I know that's how speech right. works, you know. A natural interpretive conclusion. <laughs> well, friends, thank you so much for joining me on Preaching and Preachers today. It's good to have you in the studio, Tom, and on the campus. And uh, I know our listeners will enjoy this podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.